Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 111th program in this series. In the previous message, I was in John chapter 17, verse 15, covering the beginning of verse 15, when Jesus was praying to God, and he said, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. And I was explaining in the previous program that there are many advantages to God leaving us here in this world that for us to be able to be a part of this world provides him with a lot of opportunities to reveal himself in ways that he would never be able to make use of otherwise. And so we have wonderful opportunities to be a part of this world as it builds our relationship with our God. We will get to know him in ways that we will not be able to get to know him once we are a part of his life in the kingdom of heaven, that these are things that are exclusive to being a part of this world and experiencing the sufferings that are in this world. In addition to that, we were saved. We came to know our God while we were in the world. Eventually, everyone makes a decision as to whether or not they are going to believe their God. For those of us who make a decision to believe our God and to believe the truth that he reveals, we are able to begin to have this relationship with him through the new covenant. And those who decide not to respond to the truth that God reveals, they will not be able to have a relationship with him until they decide to repent and believe the truth that our God has expressed to us. So while we are in this world we will have opportunities to participate in the work of God, the work of God as it relates to sharing the truth with other people, to continually reach out to other people who are in this world and so that they might believe the truth and be saved. And Jesus will explain this a little bit more in the following verses. But it's important to recognize that Jesus said, I'm not going to pray for you people to come out of this world. He genuinely wants us to be in this world. So we really should embrace being in this world, being a part of this world. Even though as we continue to grow to know our God, we're going to find that it becomes more difficult to find people who will like us. Most people are going to simply hate you because you do have a relationship with your God. But he wants you to be in other people's lives. So that when the time comes, when they are confronted again with the reality of their God, when they maybe experience a disruption in their life and they have to redefine their lives, they might consider including the things that you were able to share with them as part of the redefinition of their lives. When people experience dramatic change, they often consider adding a little God to their life or getting religion. There's different ways that people describe this. 
But it's important to realize that our role in this world is to have relationships with other people to the extent that we are able. And through those relationships, there will be opportunities for God to save some people. It certainly won't be everyone. It certainly, from what I can tell, won't be the majority of people. It will always be very few. So we are always to look for the very few and not be discouraged by the many who will reject the truth that our God reveals to them within and through us or directly by himself. Now, continuing into verse 15, Jesus said, but that you should keep them from the evil one. And it's important to see that there is a difference between the world and the people in the world and the evil one, even though sometimes people can be so evil that you might have a hard time recognizing that there still could be a difference between them and the evil one, but that's just part of the life that we get to enjoy while we are here. We will have circumstances in life when these things will come up. So Jesus does not want us, our God does not want us to be taken out of this world as much as we might want to just go ahead and leave this world on occasion. He wants us to stick it out and for us to be a part of this world as long as we are able, because we can continue to be a participant in his work in saving people and recreating them through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, being made spiritually alive, being made into a new creation, a child of God. This is one of the main reasons as to why he will not pray for us to come out of this world. But he does want us to be protected from the evil one. And so who is he referring to? He's referring to the devil, the person who we recognize as Satan. I like to refer to him as the devil. But it's not just him. It's also a huge collection of fallen angels, of angels who decided to reject their God. And we refer to them as the demons. And these are persons. These are beings. These are individuals. And they all function individually. They may have common goals. They may have relationships with one another. There may be organized efforts. I know that there are. But it's going to be highly unlikely that you will ever encounter the devil himself. If you ever encounter a demonic spirit, more than likely is going to be one of these other spirits who decided to believe the satanic lie, believe the lies that the devil was communicating in the kingdom of heaven that resulted in their expulsion from heaven and resulted in their fall. Now, in order to explain what their objectives are, what is the objective of the evil one and all the other evil ones who follow him, in order to explain this, I need a lot of time. In fact, I have done a series on spiritual warfare, which is about 10 hours of content, where I spent a lot of time talking about the things that I understand about the devil, his angels, the warfare that we are a part of, what his objectives are. There, of course, is a lot that can be said about the devil. I am not going to try to duplicate all of that content in a message like this. The purpose of this message is to just go through Verse 15, when Jesus said that he wants us to be relatively protected from the evil one and to give a general summary as to why that would be. 
So in this case, I would say that the reason why we need some reasonable protection from the devil, or that it would be nice if we were kept from him, is because he will lie to us. He will tell us things that are not true. And what we believe is important. There are consequences related to what we believe. If what we believe is true, then we will experience growth and maturity, and we will grow to know our God? Absolutely. But if what we believe is not true, then we're not going to experience freedom. We are going to experience bondage. That's what happens. The things that we believe that are not true become obstacles in our lives, not just in our physical life in the world, but in our spiritual lives in terms of our relationship with our God. The devil and the demons have no opportunity for redemption. They are not going to be saved. Our God has given us enough information that we can look at to see that this is going to be the case. There will be no redemption for the devil and his angels. Therefore, having a relationship with them is not the same as having a relationship with the people in the world. At least with the people in the world, there's a chance, as small as it is, and it is very small, but there's still a chance that maybe, one day, somehow, these people will repent and believe the truth, or at least some of the truth, but with the devil and his angels, with the demons who are also a part of our life, whether we like it or not, or whether we believe it or not, In fact, it is to their advantage that we not even believe in their existence because they can function and they can do whatever they want without us even considering that maybe they're a participant in our pain and suffering in our lives. But there is no reason to have a relationship with these demons because there is no redemption for them. There is nothing that we could ever experience with the demons that could be positive in nature of any kind. And so if you ever encounter a demon, your objective is to get him out of your life, not to figure out how to accommodate them or allow them to still be a part of your life or maybe have some kind of a relationship with them, maybe have some kind of mutual agreement of some kind. We don't do that. That is not what our God wants us to experience with these beings in any way whatsoever. We are to have relationships with the people in this world, but definitely not with the demons in this world. So for ourselves directly, we don't want to have interactions with them because they will tell us things that are not true, and these will become obstacles in our lives if we decide to believe these things that are not true. Now, these are spiritual beings, and they will relate to us in a spiritual context, which means that they are able to communicate with us, but they will communicate with our spirits. Some can certainly communicate in a physical way, either through the manifestation that we can see with our eyes or that we can hear with our ears, but those are very few. Very few demons have the capacity for that kind of manifestation. In most cases, these are spirits who will convey something to us in a spiritual way that will be received by our spirit and the thoughts that they will send our way, that they will express to us, effectively speak to us 
through our spirit, through that communication mechanism, these thoughts will appear in our minds. And when they do, you have to make a conscious decision to reject those thoughts that are not true. And this can be awkward sometimes because in order to know that something is not true, you have to know the truth. And this is one of the reasons why it is important for us to spend a lot of time pursuing a knowledge of the truth, a lot of time getting to know our God, getting to know who he is, getting to know the things that he has said and why he said the things that he has already had to say in the past. It's through the pursuit of our God, if anything, just by studying the scriptures, it is through our pursuit of the truth that our God has revealed that we will have an increase in the knowledge of truth, and this is what you need in order to defend yourself from the lies that the demons will find a way to communicate with you. So this is the direct way through which the demons may be able to gain access to us, to influence us and cause disruptions in our lives. There is an indirect way that the demons can do this, and that is through the people of the world. So if you ever encounter a demon, you can simply remove this demon from your life, or, of course, ask the Lord to send some angels to do this for you. If the demon is refusing to listen to your demand to remove himself from your life, then the angels will come and remove him from your life on your behalf. But when it comes to people, when it comes to the individuals who we have hope we may be able to reach, when it comes to them, we do look for ways to maintain relationships with them. In general, of course, I understand that there are some people who we just simply need to remove ourselves from. We need to exit certain kinds of relationships with certain kinds of people and just leave them to somebody else to evangelize. But there is an indirect way for the demons to gain access to us through these people because they are susceptible to the demons just like you are. They can hear the lies that the demons express just like you can. However, they do not have the truth to defend themselves. And yes, those people who decide to reject the truth in effect, have decided to leave themselves susceptible to the manipulations of demonic spirits. Whether they believe in these spirits or not is irrelevant. It has nothing to do with the way things will be. It has nothing to do with reality. The reality is is that these are real persons, and they definitely get to enjoy a tremendous amount of freedom in saying whatever they want, it seems, to these people who do not know the Lord. They are able to tell them lies, and these people will just believe them because it comes to their mind, and they think, well, gosh, you know, I am my own God, and this thought has come into my mind, and so obviously it must be of me, and I must embrace it because I'm the one who thought of it, when in reality it was a demon who sent that thought into this person's mind, and they have just simply embraced this demonic thought as their own, and they believe it, and they will experience great pain and suffering eventually through what it is that they believe. And so the demons have full access to the people of the world who do not have 
the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within them and don't want the Holy Spirit of God to be a part of their life at all. The demons will be able to have access to you through these people. And this is going to be difficult for God to protect you from because the devil has every right. The demons have every right to have this relationship with the people of the world. For those of us who are not of the world because we have been born again as children of God, for those of us who have been transformed and have been made alive by the Holy Spirit, we have no relationship with the demons. There is no reason to. And we are to remove them from our lives if we find that they've decided to try to invade our lives in some way. However, there is a difference between not having a relationship with the demons directly, and yet at the same time you may find yourself having a relationship with them indirectly when you are relating to other people. And being able to distinguish between the power and the influence and the control and the manipulations of demons in the lives of people who you have relationships with can be quite difficult. It can be very difficult to distinguish between, is this really who this person is? Or is this just a moment when they are being manipulated by some demonic power in order to abuse me? What's really going on? And in the end, you will have to make a decision with regards to what you are going to do in response to that. As the Lord Jesus prayed to God that we might be kept from the evil one, you may very well decide that you have a relationship with someone who is being manipulated by demons in a way that you just don't want to deal with at all. And you can very well decide to exit from that relationship, and that will be the way that you keep those demons out of your life. Again, it may be necessary because of the influence and the power and the control and the manipulations that these demons may exercise over the people who are in your life, you may find it necessary to exit the relationship just because it's more than you want to deal with. And I would say that unless the Lord tells you to stay in that kind of relational experience, I would tell you get out of it. Absolutely. There are lots of other people who we can have relationships with who are not so influenced by the demonic powers, that they may be receptive to the truth, just move on. Move on to the next person. Build a new relationship. Make new friends. Go do something different. Don't spend your life being manipulated and controlled or influenced by some demonic spirit who is working through somebody else who for some reason you're just not interested in letting them out of your life. If you make a decision that you want to keep this person in your life, even in the midst of that kind of conflict, that kind of disruption, just make a decision according to the sober-minded reality of the way things really are. And so again, in verse 15, when Jesus said, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one, this is a big deal, that our God may be able to participate and keep you from the evil one. But you also need to remove yourself from the presence of an evil one if the circumstances come about in your life and you feel that that is the right thing to do. 
And don't feel shy about it at all. And don't feel like you're abandoning the person and feel like they're not going to be saved because you decided to leave them. Listen, it really is their decision. It really is their choice. And if you're not going to be a part of their life, somebody else is going to be a part of their life more than likely. And this other person can tell them about the Lord just as well as you could have. Maybe better, maybe not so better, but either way, it still will be enough. And that person must make a decision for themselves as to whether or not they want to have freedom and a relationship with their God. But what should not happen is you should not be enslaved to their decision. You should not exist for the purpose of being abused by these people who have rejected their God and who are being guided and influenced by the demonic spirits. Moving on into verse 16, John chapter 17, verse 16. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And I explained in the previous messages that the way that Jesus was not of the world was because he believed the truth. That was how he was not a part of the world. And when a person decides to embrace the truth, then they are no longer of the world. Now, this could be described on a scale in the sense that when a person first gets saved, they may believe a little bit of truth and most of what they believe is not the truth. In that way, you could say that a person is still, for the most part, of the world and that they are in transition. And if we were to use that description of there being the existence of a scale, then in some ways we are always going to be of the world in some respects. But from God's point of view, there exists a certain threshold of some kind that he has not described, and we will never know exactly what that threshold is, when he will officially say, yes, you are definitely not of the world. And there are many different ways to address that. We could address that from the point of view of just being saved at all. If a person is a child of God, then there's no reason to try to describe this as a scale. They are, by definition, not of the world. That's true. That can be a reasonable description. Nothing wrong with that at all. However, as we all grow and mature and change, this change is a description of the transitions that we go through in life as we become less of the world and more of our God, of a child of God, There are different ways to describe this, and it just needs to be left open to context. In verse 17, Jesus goes on and he says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And this is what I was explaining, that it is a separation by the truth. When he says sanctify, the definition of that word has to do with being set apart. It doesn't mean that a person becomes perfect and never sins. I know that there are a lot of people who really want it to have that definition. But it doesn't have that definition. It has the definition and it has the idea of being set apart. We are not set apart from the world because we don't sin. Of course we sin. People who have a relationship with God may find themselves sinning much less than those who are of the world, But there will always be the presence and the existence and the struggle of sin. 
What he's talking about in terms of being sanctified is being sanctified by the truth, by knowing the truth, by knowing your God, by knowing reality. This is what I have been describing throughout this entire chapter of the Lord's Prayer. I've been describing the importance of recognizing that we are set apart, we are sanctified, we are not of the world because we believe the truth, and that is verse 17. So we are set apart from the world by what we believe. But Jesus goes on and he speaks about becoming one with one another, to join with one another, to be together with each other and to be together with our God. So we are not set apart just to be set apart. We are set apart for the additional pursuit of becoming one with one another. And we will be unified according to the degree by which each one of us individually know, believe, and rest in the truth that our God has revealed. But this is just the beginning. The direction that we all need to go in is to know our God as a person. Thank you for listening. This is the 111th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I was in John chapter 17, verses 15 through 17, but I was spending most of my time in this program in the second half of verse 15, when Jesus was praying to the Lord that we would be kept from the evil one. And there are two different ways that the evil one or the evil ones could have access to us. One is direct and the other is indirect. The direct way that the demon may have access to us is through the spiritual dimension he is able or one of the demons are able to communicate with us in a way that they tell us something that is not true. We can reject this ourselves if we feel that we are unable to get a demon out of our life experience who seems to be harassing us. We can call upon our God to send angels in order to remove the demon from our lives. The indirect way is through other people, and that's a little bit more complicated because the people of the world who have rejected their God are fully susceptible to being manipulated and deceived by the demonic spirits without any defense whatsoever, and they can cause disruptions in our lives as well. And I will continue with this in the next program. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net Thank you,